This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out as Stanton goes down. And that's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Today, you'll hear from Rays outfielder Manuel Margot about recovering from a knee injury and what has made this a special year. We'll hear from Xavier Scruggs of Valley Sports Sun. We'll chat about some of the younger Rays prospects with Florida Complex League manager Rafi Valenzuela. Introduce you to Emmy Dolphy of Baseball Operations. Plus, we'll chat about the Yankees, today's opponent with Eric Boland of Newsday. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our feature guest this week is Manuel Margot, joined by translator Manny Navarro. Thank you so much for your time. Conmigo están Manny Margot y Manny, gracias por tu tiempo. No, gracias a ustedes por la oportunidad. No, thank you for the opportunity. I'm happy to see you healthy. How difficult were those two months? Estoy feliz que eres saludable. ¿Qué tan difícil fueron esos dos meses? Muy, muy frustrante, pero gracias a Dios y a mi familia pude, pude tener mi mente positiva y, y estar aquí de vuelta. Uh, it was a little frustrating, but thank God, uh, thanks to my family, uh, mentally I was able to return in time. What did you learn from that experience? ¿Qué aprendiste? Eh, eh, es, un poquito, es un poquito difícil porque nadie quiere, nadie quiere lesionarse, nadie quiere estar en esa situación, todo el mundo quiere estar saludable y ayudar al equipo lo más que pueda. Yo diría que, que lo que aprendí fue, este, bueno, seguir jugando la pelota como, como la está jugando todo el tiempo fuerte y ya. Uh, it's it's very difficult, you know. Nobody ever wants to get hurt. Nobody ever wants to see you know anybody get hurt. Um, but what I learned is to keep on playing the game the same way. Keep playing it hard. And I still think this is your best season with the Rays. What do you think? Todavía pienso que esta es tu mejor temporada con los Rays. ¿Qué te pareces? Bueno, yo diría que que uno va aprendiendo, uno va aprendiendo a través a través de los tiempos. O sea, uno lo que no puede bajar la cabeza. Yo yo también lo lo he, lo he sentido así. Pero esto no se acaba todavía, hay que se, seguir eh, adelante y con la mirada al ser mundial. Uh, you, you learn, you know, you got to learn every day. Sometimes you, you tend to put your head down, but you kind of learn from that and you just got to learn to keep the positivity always there. I also think you're more comfortable each year. Do you agree? También creo que te sientes más cómodo cada año aquí. ¿Estás de acuerdo? Sí, claro, uno se va adaptando, uno se va adaptando a lo que es la regla, lo que es el terreno, lo que es la fanaticada. Yo digo que, que es muy importante no tener buena familiarización con, con cada uno de ellos. Yeah, definitely getting a lot more comfortable, getting familiar with, with everything, the rules, the way everything goes about here. I think you get a little bit more familiar each time. How much did the new contract help you? ¿Cómo te ayudó el contrato nuevo? ¿Mentalmente, físicamente? ¿Cómo? Tú sabes que eh, uno juega... Uno ama el béisbol y también uno quiere tener un sustento a, a su familia. Yo diría que, que, que eso me, 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 ha, me ha tranquilizado mucho, eh, el saber que, que, mi, que mi familia va a tener con qué comer por, por mucho tiempo, Dios mediante. No, I feel, feel very good, you know, feel very happy um, that I'm able to secure my family, you know, and, you know, as a man that I'm able to put food on their plate, you know, that's what's helped me be more comfortable. What did it mean to your family? Uh, because you have a, a very, very big family. Tú tienes un gran familia. ¿Qué tan importante es eso? Yo digo que es lo primordial, lo primordial, ya que uno se levanta cada día, uno se levanta cada día y, y a veces que uno no se siente con la fuerza, pero cuando uno piensa en ello, uno, uno recoge fuerza de donde, de donde uno tiene y, y la familia es, 
es sumamente importante en lo que es este negocio porque ellos te apoyan, te apoyan cada día y porque saben que, que tú eres el sustento de ellos. I'm very happy of them and know that they're, they're around. We don't always wake up feeling great. We don't always feel good. Uh, but knowing that they're around there, they're the substance that you need in order to keep on uh, moving forward. This is your third organization. Is this your favorite place and why? Este es tu tercer uh, organización. Este es lugar uh, favorito uh, y por qué? Bueno, yo soy la persona que, que yo aprendí en mi... Desde que estaba muy muy muy, eh, muy temprano en mi carrera que, que uno no solo juega por una sola organización ya Yo le, le doy gracias a la otra organización por darme, por darme la oportunidad Primeramente a Boston por darme la oportunidad de, de realizar mi sueño Que era firmar Y San Diego por cumplir mi sueño de, de jugar a Grande Liga y, y Tampa por la seguridad que le ha dado a mi familia Ya decir que, le, que la tres la tres está muy orgulloso de ella that you know you play for you play for a lot of teams you know uh, thankfully I had Boston who they were able to fulfill the dream of being able to sign with a professional team and then uh, very grateful for San Diego to let me live out that dream and be able to accomplish that making the big leagues and obviously Tampa for here for everything they've done do you remember when you were traded to the Rays and what you were thinking then recuerdas cuando fuiste cambiar los Rays y que estabas pensando ese momento Ah, sí, yo sabía, sí, yo sabía que me podían cambiar, sí, yo sabía que me podían cambiar porque realmente uno, uno está uno, en una organización, pero uno no puede controlar eh, lo que lo que pasa de ahí, uno lo que puede controlar es salir y jugar fuerte. Y lo otro, lo otro sí, me cambiaron en 2019, ya el 20 estuve aquí con la organización y agradecido con la organización por darme la confianza y la oportunidad. You kind of always have an idea that you know you could get traded or that you can get traded, uh, but you know that that's just kind of part of it. You got to be grateful for the opportunity that they they give me, um, and especially here when I got traded in 2019, I have plenty of opportunity. What do you remember about that first year? That first year I know was difficult. Uh, uh, primer año uh, fue difícil aquí. ¿Qué recuerdas? Bueno, difícil, difícil sí fue. Eh, mi primer año aquí fue sumamente difícil dentro y fuera del terreno, ya que o sea, me pasaron varias cosas este, fuera del terreno que realmente tuve que tener mi, mi, mi mente bien fuerte para, para terminar y, y seguir con lo que era mi meta, que era tener una, una, una temporada. Y, este, pero nada, gracias a Dios por todo. It was, it was very tough. You know, a lot of things happened on and off the field that year. Um, a lot of things off the field uh, with, with the mind made it a little bit tough. You know, all, all I wanted to do at that goal was to just have a season to begin with, and thank God that happened. And how much did Willie Adams help you? Um, and how important was he? ¿Cómo te ayudó Willie Adams y lo importante que era? Wow, yo realmente... Cualquier equipo desearía tener un protero como Willie. O sea, un tipo que que todo el tiempo está ahí para ayudar y, y realmente un muchacho que, que, que sabe que sabe lo que quiere. Yo diría que, que, le, que él ha sido uno de los mejores compañeros que yo, que yo he tenido, porque él no mando compañero en el terreno, sino también fuera del terreno. He's a, a type of a teammate that you want to have on any team that you're on. You know, he, he does everything right. He, he knows what he wants. Um, even the things that he does on the field, he's a really good person even off the field. Your teammates now call you papa. What does that mean to you? Eres joven, pero tus compañeros de este equipo te llaman papa. ¿Qué significa eso para ti? Tú sabes que uno aprende, uno aprende de los de los veteranos. Ya yo he jugado con con muchos peloteros veteranos y, y uno aprende de ellos. Yo diría que, que, que uno ha estado realizando lo, lo que ellos le han enseñado a uno. Este, tratar de ayudar, bueno, tratar de ayudar con lo poco que uno sabe a, a nuestro compañero. I think with all the veterans I've played with and the veterans that I've known, um, you, you learn from them. You, you learn uh, little things from what they do and how they do it. And now that I'm a veteran, you try and do the same. What players? Que jugadores? Wow, Eddie, Eddie Aybal, Eddie Hosmer, Manny Machado, este, Nelson Cruz, Ian Kinsley. Sí, son personas que, que me han ayudado bastante, bastantemente eh, lo que es those are the guys that have helped me physically and, and mentally to play. And I know your dad helped you so much. What did he teach you in your life? Tu papá era muy importante. ¿Qué te enseñó? Wow, mi papá prácticamente a mí me 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 enseñó todo, todo lo que el béisbol. O sea, una persona que que era sumamente 
o sea, estricto con, con lo que es el béisbol. Él sabe que San Diego son tres horas diferentes a Dominicana y él se acotaba tarde todos los juegos y me llamaba, me decía, oye, está haciendo, está haciendo aquella cosa, está haciendo otra cosa y eso para mí es algo que yo realmente extraño. Uh, practically, he, he taught me everything there was to know about baseball. He was, uh, in a way, very strict. Um, you know, when I was in San Diego, the time difference in Dominican was three hours difference, and he stayed up every night to watch the game and, you know, let me know that I should be doing this or that. Absolutely wonderful. What have your favorite moments with the Rays been? ¿Cuáles son tus momentos favoritos con este equipo y por qué? Wow, el momento de, de la Serie Mundial, el momento que pasamos para, para la Serie Mundial, yo digo que es un momento para mí inolvidable, eso fue un momento que yo, que yo mismo digo, wow, este, yo pensé que yo iba a estar aquí en una serie mundial y, y lo hemos logrado. The World Series, getting into the World Series is, is you know, something special. You know, even I was thinking about, wow, you know, and I made it, and that's what you play for is to get there, and I was able to accomplish that. How have you improved here? Uh, ¿Cómo has mejorado aquí, físicamente, mentalmente? Yo digo que más, que más mentalmente mentalmente he, he sabido porque he tenido que aprender que aprender muchas cosas para tratar de ayudar a, a mi compañero yo digo que, que lo más fuerte ha sido mi mente I think the strongest point has been uh, the mind and the, what I've been able to, to do mentally and what I'm able to tell other other players because of that so what's your routine mental mentally every day que es tu rutina todos los días bueno, eh, uno cambia, uno cambia mucho, pero tratar trata de recordar toda la cosa buena que, que, que te dijeron los veteranos, o sea, que por algo ellos fueron buenos peloteros y han sido tremendos jugadores por, por, por el resultado que ya han tenido, porque, o sea, eh, le han dado mucho consejo a uno y, y uno lo ha, lo ha puesto en práctica. Just the things that, that the players have said to me, veterans, anything they said to me, uh, stuff that worked for them, stuff that helped them, you know, get their careers to keep going a little bit, the, is what I've tried to pick up from all the older players. Did you always want to play baseball? Siempre quisiste jugar al baseball cuando era niño? Sí, sí. Realmente sí. También jugaba fútbol, pero el fútbol no no era tan 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 llamativo para mí porque. Eh, yo tuve la oportunidad de, de, de tener tres hermanos que jugaron profesionales y yo lo veía a ellos y, y me gustaba cómo, cómo la gente lo acorralaban para hacerle preguntas y yo decía, wow, algún día yo tengo que ser igual o mejor que ellos. Yeah, yeah, I played a little bit, um, but soccer, I really wasn't that good. You know, baseball, I loved it, but soccer, I wasn't really that good. It didn't really get my attention as much as baseball. And plus, I had the, the chance to have three older brothers that played baseball professionally, so I was able to look up to them and kind of see them, how people talk about them and how they talk to other people. And if you weren't playing baseball, what would you be doing? Si no estuvieras jugando baseball, ¿qué estás haciendo? Yo quizá diría que... Quizá atendiendo un rancho, atendiendo un rancho para, para montar caballo, yo diría que, que, quizá, que quizá estaría haciendo eso, aunque estudiaba, pero tuve que dejar la escuela temprano porque por motivo a la pelota. Pero, pero sí, yo, yo diría que, que quizá un, 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 un haciendero. Probably have a ranch somewhere, probably, you know, taking care of horses since I like riding horses. You know, I was taken out of school early to, to pursue baseball, and so I think probably having a ranch. You have horses now? ¿Tienes caballos ahora? Sí, tengo aproximadamente como 10. Uh, I got approximately 10. Nice. And when you're not playing baseball, what do you like to do? Cuando no estás jugando baseball, ¿qué te gusta hacer? Me gusta ir a ando los caballos, me gusta pasar tiempo con los caballos, me gusta bañarlos, me gusta darle comida con la mano, este, me gusta disfrutar con, con la gallina, con, con los otros animales que tengo. Bueno, cuando yo estoy con ellos realmente se me olvida todo, me da la hora y ni cuenta me doy de qué, de qué hora es. Uh, I like tending uh, to the horses. I like cleaning them by hand. I like feeding them. Um, I just kind of like messing around with the chickens. But when I'm out there, time just kind of flies by. I don't think about anything else while I'm over there. I know right now you worry and you're hoping that you're hoping this will be a great championship run. How important is a championship for you? Yo sé que te gusta este equipo. Has estado en los playoffs todos los años. ¿Qué tan importante es un campeonato para ti este año? Bueno, yo digo que es algo 
que todo que todos deseamos eh, es una de las partes más importantes de lo que es este negocio, o sea, todo el equipo se centran en una meta y es de ganar el campeonato. Nosotros no seremos la excepción, nosotros estamos, estamos aquí cada uno con la misma meta de, de ganar un campeonato y eso sería para mí algo más importante de lo que haya, haya hecho en mi carrera. Yeah, I think that's what everyone plays for it. Everyone comes into this business for it, just how, how important a, a championship is. You know, being able to, to win a game, especially for your team, and to be able to win that championship would be very important to me. Thank you so much for your time. Continued success this year. Gracias por tu tiempo y éxito continuo. Gracias a ustedes por la oportunidad. Thank you for you guys for the opportunity. That's Manuel Margot and Manny Navarro. will continue on This Week in Rays Baseball right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us right now is Xavier Scruggs of Valley Sports Sun and MLB Network. And X, as we look uh, forward to the last few weeks, this is some race that uh, is bearing out, especially from a wild card standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what, what can be most exciting for the Rays, uh, especially as much as they've gone through, um, you know, so many issues throughout the course of the season to still find themselves in a great position, you know, even inching closer towards the top of the division, that's that's exciting. And it's exciting for all teams, right? You think about just the opportunity with that extra playoff spot um, on, both, on both National League and American League side, it brings that much more, many more teams into the race. And I think, from a van, from a fan perspective, from a player's perspective, that that allows the the end of the season to have that much more meaning when that many more teams are involved. You've got to stay extremely focused on what you're doing on a day in day out basis, and you can't take any inning any at bat any pitch for granted. And I think that's a great situation to be in, especially if you're the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think from a race perspective, especially when you look at the schedule, look, even facing Boston is no easy matter. And they've got so many games left with New York, including today, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Cleveland Guardians, the Houston Astros, a lot of playoff contenders still to meet more than any other team that's fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that's a, a focus to from a perspective of being able to play day by day. You know, a lot of times when you get towards the end of the season around this time, beginning of September, you start thinking about, OK, what does that postseason picture look like? Well, there is no postseason picture if you don't continue to take care of business every single day, especially playing against some of the teams that you mentioned. There, There's no easy road towards the finish line. So I think that's both encouraging for the for the Rays to be in a position that they're in, but then also understanding of we can't look too far down the line because we have to handle every single game um, as if it were a postseason game, right? And, and then also making sure that w whether it be your pitching, whether it be your rotation, whether it be your bullpen, everybody is in the best position to succeed once you get to the postseason as well. So th there's a lot going on right now for Kevin Cash and, and the coaches and, and everybody involved to make sure that they're lining up towards the, 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 the right run in the postseason, but also taking care of business today. And they're having to do it without a lot of pieces missing. Now they got Harold Ramirez back. They got Manuel Margot back and we've seen that help. But not having Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, and I think maybe most importantly right now, Shane McClanahan, to do what they're doing is impressive, I think, as, as impressive as any group. Yeah, absolutely. And you, it's really been all season, right? It's not even just right now. It's been so long. But I think that's to the Rays' advantage. They've been able to play well without a lot of their top players. And I look at guys have really stepped up. I'm, I'm really glad that you get a Harold Ramirez back because he's quite honestly, maybe the most productive offensive player on this team as far as what he's done with the bat. You look at, you know, Wanda Franco's been out for a while, but guys have stepped up, you know, he hasn't been as missed as you might've thought so. 
but to get him back will be a luxury if that's the case. And the same thing for guys like Isak Paredes at the top of the, the home run leaderboard with Randy Orozarena. So guys have stepped up, but at the same time, it always hurts when you don't have guys that are your everyday guys in there. You mentioned Brandon Lau. Think about the 39 homers he hit last year, the offensive production he brought to the table. That's tough not to have. And then Shane McClanahan, you're just hoping for the best. It sounds like a good, situ a, a better situation than originally thought. But to think about your best starting pitcher, your Cy Young candidate, somebody that's really led this rotation all year, go down, that's tough too. So hopefully... That's all that is the best for him. And, and this team continues to roll. And, you know, losing a guy like Shane, it's not only and you can speak to this X from a player's perspective. It's not only the day that he misses in the rotation and hopefully it's only a couple of starts. The Rays are optimistic it'll be that 15 day limit, but it's the day before and day after because you have the ability to manage your bullpen differently when you have a guy like that in your rotation. Right. Absolutely. I, and you speak to, you know, the depth and the length in which in the game that Shane is able to give your team, you're able to save some of that bullpen. And, but also at the same time, it affects, Neil, it affects the offense just as much, right? You think about offensively, that pressure is taken off of you as a team. So not only the bullpen in a sense, but also that offense is able to say, okay, we may only have to get three or four runs today. We may only have to get two runs today. And then that allows guys to continue to just play their game. So, a Shane McClanahan going down is never good uh, because, like you mentioned, it affects the whole team in different ways than we can even imagine sometimes. And even in the clubhouse, like Shane is such a great clubhouse presence at, at such a young age. Guys feed off of that. So that's that's will be that's one thing that'll be missed for um, for some time being. Certainly. The one thing I think that benefits the Rays is this injury happened right as September is starting. And even though the rosters aren't as expanded as they used to be, to have 28 players, to have 14 pitchers, to have the ability to still call other guys up, I would think the Rays are the team that makes best advantage of their roster this month. You agree? Absolutely. And I think that's the you know credit to what the organization has done depth-wise and to make sure that they have the guys that are available. And, and then also you have to give credit to, as far as timing goes, what the Rays have done in general to get themselves in a position where they're playing pretty good baseball to where if they lose a couple starts from their top guy, it may not end up hurting them as bad as it may have earlier in the season or, or towards the very end of the season. So from a timing standpoint, this may be the right time for something like that to happen if there is ever a right time. But like you said, the depth is extremely important. You have guys that, that are in AAA with the Rays for, for a lot of this season that are big league players. And it's just plain and simple. So I think that having that depth is extremely important and, and this team will be, definitely be able to feed off of that. And I keep thinking, X, if they can get guys like Lau and McClanahan, Franco back, Tyler Glass now could start his rehab very soon with Durham. They get those guys back. It could really be a game changer, changer in terms of the roster, but maybe even mentally in the last couple of weeks, if they can get into the postseason. I completely agree because you've seen almost the same with, with guys like Manny Margot coming back. You've seen the same with Harold Ramirez. It just provides, from a player perspective, it provides that team so much more confidence. It's almost like, you know, getting a, a trade chip, you know, within before a trade deadline or it's like signing a free agent that can bring something to the table. Those guys that have been sorely missed now start coming back a little bit more. And then you're starting to look more like a full power team, right? You're starting to look more like the team you might have expected back when spring had started. So I, I think that's big. But then also from a lineup construction standpoint, that gives your lineup that much more depth when you're talking about adding guys back like a Brandon Lau and the same thing with the Wander Franco. And may take some pressure off of guys like a G-Man Choi who hasn't had necessarily, you know, the best month, month and a half. But those guys start to say, okay, I don't have to do so much now. I can I can take some of that pressure off of myself. And you start to see more guys perform from a confidence standpoint. X, good stuff. We appreciate a few minutes. Should be a fun stretch run. Thanks for coming on this week in Race Baseball. I appreciate you having me, Neil.
And that is Xavier Scruggs of MLB Network and Valley Sports Sun. Let's turn our attention to the minor league side. The only Rays affiliate in the United States to finish up is in the Florida Complex League, where the Rays went 39-16 and and were just a run shy of winning a championship against the Yankees. Their manager was Rafi Valenzuela. Rafi, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Neil. Tell me, first of all, what this season was like, because now we're getting used to it's almost like you have two different teams pre-draft and post-draft correct you know what in the beginning of the year we didn't know what kind of team we were going to be uh you know we had a lot of very young latin players and it was really neat watching them you know get better each day game by day pitch by pitch so we're making adjustments which is you don't really see from a latin player you usually takes them a while but you know the guys really smart they made adjustments and it was really fun the first week of august so it was kind of cool you know see a new you know new faces fresh fresh bodies to, to kind of play the last two and a half weeks of the, of the season and to watch them come together with the first group that was already there it was really neat you know guys were trying to speak spanish you know latin guys were trying to speak english the way they communicated it's very it's very it's very neat to watch how difficult is that to blend kids on the fly when, you know, they just get drafted, they're trying to get acclimated to pro baseball, and, you know, now they're with kids and, and players that they don't know who, who don't speak necessarily always the same language? It takes a while. It takes a while. But, you know, from the experience from the college guys that, that come in, they're very intrigued by the Latin players. They, they ask them questions. They want to interact with them. And just to watch them interact in the, in the dugout, you know, like guys trying to speak Spanish, the Latin guys working on their English a little bit more, the way they, you know, help each other out. It's really cool. Like, it's really nice. It takes them about a week or two to kind of get, you know, t- t- together and, be- and become a club. And, you know, that's all kudos to the staff. The staff does a hell of a job with, you know, combining the guys in the workouts. And once they get to know each each other, man, it is it is fun. The, the dugout turns into a, you know, for lack of a better word, it turns into a party, and it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And you guys obviously had a great season. I mean, I think you were, what, 39 and 16, ended up Correct. one run shy of beating the Yankees in the championship. So I would assume the winning doesn't hurt, and it starts to establish a little bit of uh, the race culture for these guys. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, winning is a product of good development, and, you know, that's not what we strive to do. You know, our job is to get these guys to the big leagues, but winning does not hurt. You know, I, I feel that by by winning, you know, guys look forward to coming to the yard. Guy, guys look forward to, to getting after it during, you know, our workouts and to want to get better so they can keep winning. So it's uh, it was it was it was a fun year. It was a blast. You know, we went through our growing pains early in the year, but you know, we went on a streak where I, I believe the guys won 13 games in a, in a row and we didn't realize it until we lost the game. And somebody said, us, hey, did you know that you guys just won 13 games? And I was like, I had no idea. I just knew that we were having a blast and every day of practice was challenging and we were getting after it. Let's get to some of those individuals and how they grew. I've heard so much about Junior Caminero since the race acquired him via trade. And I know he's now playing in uh, Charleston. But how impressive was he when he was with you? You know what? Um, from the moment he stepped in, I remember we were taking batting practice and I heard this loud noise and I was like, who the heck is that? And I turned around and it was him. I got a chance to interact with him last November when I went to the academy for a week, but he was kind of quiet, kind of shy. And when I saw him this this time around, it was like a different guy. You know, his body looked really good and he can impact the baseball like this young man can really impact a baseball. What does he do special in addition to that? Obviously, he can hit. Where is his most comfortable position at right now? And how do you see him growing and evolving? He looks very comfortable at third base. He plays a really good third. He's got really good feet at third base. He's got a strong enough arm. I see him staying at third, maybe possibly moving to first eventually just because of the bat. But, you know, he plays a good defense and he's the kind of kid that even if he's having a bad day, he tries to make adjustments at the play pitch by by pitch, which is, like I said, something very rare for a young player. But it's really it's really fun to watch. You had a lot of young, talented players in that on that Florida Complex League team, among them Carlos Colmenares, who obviously was considered one of the top signees in the uh, international signing period when the Rays acquired him. How has he evolved and how was he this year? 
you know, last year I got a chance to talk to him a, 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 a little bit when he went through his surgery and watching him actually play. He can really play short. Um, he's very smooth on the field. He can really run. He does a lot of special things. Obviously, you know, he's still young. I believe he's 19. So there's a little churn that's going to happen. And when it does, man, I think I think we have something really special in him, really special. Let's touch on some of the, the drafted kids, uh, beginning with Xavier Isaac or your early impressions. Uh, when he first came, came in, the first thing I thought about, man, this guy is huge. He's a big kid for an 18-year-old kid. Um, and when I watched them take batting practice, everything was really quiet. Like, he he has an idea. He controls the box. He controls his strike zone. He knows how to hit. And defensively, for being such a big guy, he moves really well, which was the one thing that surprised me was how well he moved his feet, how good of an arm he had for first baseman, and how good he played first base. And then let's touch on some of the guys who are college draftees, beginning with uh, Chandler Simpson, because I think he probably put up some of the better numbers. He is probably one of the fastest human beings I've ever seen. In game two of the championship series, we, you know, we had bases loaded with one out and the infield was playing in. And Carlos Colmenares hit a two hopper to the shortstop, like a, a two hopper to the shortstop. And Chandler Simpson beat the throw home which I had never seen, you know, that plays usually an out, but he beat it by like a step. And I'd never seen that. He is, he can really fly. If he gets on first base, that's a run. You can do, you can basically put a run on the board because he's going to steal second and he's going to steal third and he's going to score a run. And he's kind of an old school approach from what I, you know, chatting with him in terms of just mm-hmm. the way he approaches his at bats, right? Correct. He, you know, he looks to make contact. He takes a lot of pitches. You know, he's the kind of hitter, like you said, he's very old school. He's your, Sort of the typical leadoff guy. He's going to take his pitches. He's going to take his walks. He's going to make the pitcher work so the other guys in the box can see, you know, all the pitchers' pitches and deliveries. In addition to Junior Caminero, uh, Brock Jones, one of the college draft picks, also is now playing full season ball. What did you like about him in your brief time with him? His confidence. He is He's a very confident player. He is, again, he's very confident, played at a good school, went to a good conference, put up some really good numbers and from the moment he stepped in you could tell you know you can sense his presence which is really neat he can really play uh center field we watched him make a couple catches that we were like what just happened you know running balls down in the outfield puts up good at bats runs really well i think we have something really good with brock jones and then i also heard a lot about you know you talk about being strong up the middle and he can play center field Mm -hmm. Um, but dom keegan um, the catcher out of Vanderbilt who was drafted. I heard really good things from a lot of people offensively and defensively. You know, when he first came, came in, he was very quiet. You know, he's a Vanderbilt kid and, you know, they're, they're built di- different. So he came in re- ready to work. Um, his first at bat was actually a double off the center field wall. And the way he makes contact with the, with a baseball is it's very, very Im- impressive behind the plate. Obviously, you know, after a full season in college, he must have caught, you know, 50 games and he came in and it's not easy. It's not easy playing in the FCL. You're catching at noon, the hottest time of the day. And he showed some good things. He can really block. He can really receive. I'm really excited to watch him go through the minor leagues. Rafi, we haven't even touched on any pitching. So who are maybe who's an arm or two that maybe really stood out to you? Because I know there were a lot of young players who were their first time in the States. Yoniel Curet electric fastball, you know, gets it up to the mid to high 90s, um, needs to, you know, get a little feel for his off-speed pitches. But, you know, once he figures out, he gets a better feel for all of his off-speeds, man, I believe, you know, he's a he's a two or three starter in the big leagues. He can go he can go long in the games, throws enough strikes. And again, he has very, very good electric stuff, very electric stuff. And Rafi, for you, you're going to get a look, I guess, at more of these kids for another month or so. You've got Instructional League starting uh, this coming week. It is. It's more individualized, which is one, one, one of the things that I think is very cool that, you know, we get to spend more one-on-one time with the, with the players. We, we all write down goals for the position players, the pitchers, the catchers, and it's very, very individualized. And the cool thing that we're doing this year is we're, we're doing, I believe it's a nine-game series. So we're going to split two teams up. We're going to play a nine-game series, probably going about four to seven innings, no nine-inning games, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think. And we're going to have a winner. You know, we're going to do dip, dip, different things, put them in different situations of the, of the game. And not only that, but I, I believe we have uh, five games, four against the Twins, and then I believe we're playing one game against the Phillies at the Trap, which is really cool that the guys get to go up 
they get to experience, you know, basically being a big leaguer for a day and playing big league stadium. And, you know, we'll have the music, we'll do a full workout there. And, and uh, I, again, I think I'm very excited for this instructional league just because it's going to be a little bit different than the past. Well, good luck with that. Congratulations on a wonderful year. Enjoy your last couple of days of uh, rest back at home. And we appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. Awesome. Thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that's Rafi Valenzuela, manager in the Florida Complex League. Coming up, Emmy Dolphy of Rays Baseball Operations. And we chat with Eric Boland of Newsday on the Yankees. This is This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. As we continue on this Sunday, time to turn our attention to our latest feature on race baseball operations. Today on Emmy Dolphy, senior analyst in baseball research and development who took a unique path to Tampa Bay. I started in May of 2020, so this is my third season. I accepted the offer February, end of February 2020, and so the first year was was much different than anticipated given that the world shut down for a little bit. So yeah, I've been I've been here for about 3 seasons. I worked in, in land conservation for a long time and knew that that was a personal passion of mine but didn't necessarily need to be a professional passion of mine. And so I decided to chase my my other passion, um, which is sports and specifically baseball. Um, I played softball in college at Colgate University. And even in like my sister's maid of honor speech in my wedding, she brought up how often I watched SportsCenter and how much I kept up to date with everything. So it just felt like something I should chase. I cold applied to the Rays. It's kind of this fairy tale that worked out. Um, and I'm, I'm, again, very happy to be here. My background at uh, Trust for Public Land was specifically focused in spatial analytics. And so I feel that I bring a, a slightly unique background to the research development group here. And then on top of that, I'm just surrounded by incredibly smart people that are teaching me new things and challenging me every day. And so it's hard to answer how it worked out, but I, I feel pretty lucky to be here and contribute to such an awesome organization. So how long did you work in the land conservation space after you graduated from Colgate? So after Colgate, I did a master's program in applied geospatial techniques at George Washington University in DC. So that was about two years. And then I worked at the Trust for Public Land in Santa Fe, New Mexico for five years before moving into baseball. And this was your first baseball job and you're in the middle of a pandemic. So give us an idea how challenging that was. <laughs> and uh, how you kind of navigated it. It was difficult to be, to be honest. Um, I mean, it was the expectation was I was going to be out on the field in spring training and a few weeks after I accepted the, the position. And the first year I was, you know, on the other side of the country and fully remote and learning all these new skills that, that I hadn't quite been exposed to. So, you know, it was, it was an intimidating year from a skill development standpoint, but it was really nice to be surrounded by, again, such a group of supportive and smart people that just continued to kind of help me to, to where I am today. I'm very happy that now that all the precautions and stuff have been lifted for the most part, I'm on the field, I'm in the clubhouse, I'm at spring training, and, and, and now I'm doing exactly what I had pictured when I accepted originally. So generally speaking, what did you do when you started with the Rays? And then describe what you do now on a regular basis. My initial focus when I joined um, was catcher defense. And so that involved, um, of course, building models that helped predict how a player is going to be in this year and future years and stuff like that. And then also I had a lot of interaction with our player development staff and just, you know, getting to know the players, getting to know the staff, um, identifying some strengths and, and weaknesses through um, the numbers that we, that we provide for them. And that relationship building piece, I would say was definitely the, has been the highlight probably of my position the entire time I've been here, whether that's major league staff um, or in, play, in our player development group. Yeah, I, I can't speak enough to, to how awesome that's been. Catcher defense is still a part of my role now, but in addition to catcher defense, I also focus a lot on um, our defensive positioning and just ensuring that we're kind of staying up to date with how our batters spraying the ball this year and uh, how are our pitchers kind of adjusting their stuff. And then in addition, uh, I, I do a little bit internal like 
work within research and development and focus a lot on staff development um, and hiring decisions and stuff like that, just to make sure we're, we're staying on our toes and, and bringing unique folks in here. So at Colgate, where did you play on the field and how much did that experience help you now? I played first base and in the defense to first base, it's a little bit more of a defensive position uh, in softball than it is in baseball. So in how it translates to now, I think obviously some general knowledge of the game, something that kind of slapped me across the face when I got here was how different baseball and softball are. And I just learned that I was like, man, there's a lot of things that are just so different from a strategic standpoint that kind of blew my mind a little bit when I first got here. But in terms of, you know, I, I, I think just, I don't know, just being in like a team environment and working towards a common goal. I would say that that's something that I, I feel here that I've, you know, is that drew me to sports my entire life is, is just kind of that collaboration environment that allows everybody to kind of shine in their own unique ways. Emmy, do you travel then to the minor league cities in addition to the major league to seeing the race either at home or on the road? So yeah, I haven't, I have not done any uh, major league road trips yet this year. Plan is to definitely add that more into my job responsibilities next year. And then in terms of our minor league affiliates, I made a trip this year, last year made a few trips um, down at spring training. I'll be down at Instructs in October and then kind of down in Port Charlotte as often as, as that's kind of populated by everybody. And long-term, what are some goals on a personal level? A personal level, you know, I want to continue to I guess, be challenged um, from a technical standpoint. I really enjoy kind of the analysis and, and I guess data science that we do here, if you will. And I want to definitely continue kind of the, the communication aspect of things, the, the relationship building. I think that is something that I enjoy and, and hopefully something that everyone else sees as a skill because that's what I want to do. And I, yeah, I'd love to just get more integrated in kind of the decision-making throughout, throughout baseball. And um, I'm learning you know, so much every day. So it's hard to answer that question because I feel like every week I'm interested in something new that I, that I want to chase. So yeah, I, I would say a bad answer to your question is I just want to continue to learn and continue to identify new things that are challenging for me. And the experience that you have on the softball field, how does it help you just in terms of understanding the human aspect of the game to also blend with the data analytics side of it? You're in a team environment where everyone, of course, is working towards a common goal, but you're also like playing off each other's strengths and playing off each other's kind of opportunity areas, I would say. It's, it's really nice just to know that everyone in this organization is just incredibly supportive of one another. And we all just, like I said before, it's just we shine in different ways. There are people that can like build the fanciest, most complicated computational statistical model that I would never be able to touch. And then there are people and what that can take that and translate that to pretty much anybody and communicate what exactly is going on to any audience. So from an R&D standpoint, like team environment's pretty cool. And then also from an organizational standpoint, I think that kind of flows through with everybody. Everyone, you know, really kind of plays off each other's strengths and, and picks each other up when that's needed. From a data analysis standpoint, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm learning so much about baseball as a whole, but I, I'd like to think that just my experience playing has helped kind of, you know, identify, not that I was a catcher, but just really understanding kind of, you know, what what different movements uh, from a catcher or, or how you can stand. Just experience has helped, I guess, I would hope have some good instincts in terms of answering baseball specific questions. Just kind of understanding like dynamics in a clubhouse and and stuff like that. That's, I think my playing career has absolutely contributed to just fitting in um, hopefully pretty quickly in everybody else's eyes. And that's Emmy Dolphy, Senior Analyst in Baseball Research and Development for Rays Baseball Operations and our latest Rays Baseball Operations feature. Time now to turn back to the postseason race. Joining me, Eric Boland, who, of course, covers the Yankees for Newsday. Eric, thanks for joining us. Glad to be back with you, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I would say this is, if New York is famous for soap operas and storylines and theater, uh, the Yankees certainly qualify this year as uh, the greatest theater, huh? It really is. You know, Neil, we were kind of talking when I came in the studio here, and this is my 14th year covering the Yankees. My first year was 09, their last World Series uh, winning season. I would have to say, and I go back year by year, but this may be the most fascinating year I've covered when you take 
all of it into account. We obviously have no idea how it, how it's going to end up being, but they break from the gate the way they, they did on the, on this historic pace where you had all the comparisons to the 1998 Yankees and they're running away with the division and 15-and-a-half game lead uh, on July 8th. Uh, and again, you know, they're, they're on pace to win 115, 120. You even saw people talking about 125. <laughs> you know, is anyone going to stop this juggernaut? And now the comparison to me is the 2011 Red Sox who had the nine-game lead going into September, went 7-20 and 20 in mm-hmm. September. Obviously, you guys here in, in Tampa, you know, remember very well the craziness of that final day, the 162 landing with Longoria in the, the walk-off against the Yankees the same night that the Red Sox were walked off in, in Baltimore. But, uh, you know, I'm not saying the Yankees are, are going down that path, but they certainly are closer to that than the 98 Yankees. Uh, and there's a, a myriad of reasons for why uh, that lead has been trimmed to what it's been trimmed to for going into to this afternoon. Um, but it really is it's staggering to me that this is the same team that had a 15-and-a-half game lead uh, and looked as if they were just going to run away with not only the division but with the entire uh, American League. Uh, and you know they're they're on fumes right now, and if you're looking for signs that it's going to turn around, uh, they're they're hard to find. I still think they will ultimately uh, win the division for a variety of reasons that we'll probably get into a little bit. But uh, you know they're 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 leaking oil pretty badly right now, and uh, again there's not a lot of indications that it's going to stop anytime soon. So to me, this today is the really important game here on Sunday because if the Rays win, they're 8-8 in the series, and that means if you win two out of three the next weekend, you win the tiebreaker. And there's a huge difference to me between three games and having a chance for the tiebreaker versus five back needing to sweep the next weekend. You agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that makes – you know, this whole series was fascinating from the start because of what possibly could happen, and now we're to that final stage because that was the talk was if the Rays somehow could sweep this series – uh, then there, there's a race here. Uh, and now the Rays, after winning the first two games, are, are in that situation. Look, I mean, Sean Armstrong is a pitcher the Yankees should hit, but I can go down a whole list of pitchers in the last month and a half mm-hmm. that the Yankees probably should have hit, and they didn't. Uh, and so if you're looking for any guarantees or uh, anything of that nature, I, I, not that there's a lot of Yankee fans listening to this right now, but you know, when I get asked on you know, a New York radio show or something like that, give Yankees fans some reason to hope. Uh, I usually come back to talking about, well, it's kind of the same team that was in the clubhouse the first three months of the season when they were 30-something games over uh, 500. But, yeah, today is really – I try not to the longer I've been doing this. And, Neil, I know you've been around a while too. Uh, you try not to get carried away with the whole must-win games mm-hmm. when you get 162. The only must-win games are elimination games. Uh, when you, 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 If you lose, you go home. Uh, the Yankees aren't at that point. But there is a dramatic difference, as you said, between five and three. And when you look at the respective schedules the rest of the way, uh, the Yankees would certainly have that advantage on paper. But coming into this road trip, they were supposed to get fat against Oakland, against Anaheim, and then maybe just put the Rays away coming in here. And obviously uh, the first two legs of that uh, haven't gone very well, and it hasn't gone well so far here. And you can hear in Aaron Boone's postgame press conferences, he's tight, and you can feel – some tightness and but there is one thing he keeps breaking out well we're still the number one scoring team that's true but here's something i pulled up of the teams that would be in the postseason today in the american league that they've played they're hitting 209 with a 694 ops and averaging just under four runs a game against the other american league teams 5.8 runs 759 ops 242 it's a dramatic difference and is there some worry at least even if they win the division that they're going to have a tough time hitting in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, you know, they're searching for answers. They're ser- you know, it's one of the reasons you see a, almost a, a, not that not that the Yankees are constructing their lineups by uh, drawing names out of a hat, but the lineup is different almost on a nightly basis. And you can tell that they're searching and, you know, they've got uh, uh, the, the rookie, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, mm-hmm. uh, hitting third today. You know, Peraza, who they just called up, one of their top shortstop prospects, he's starting at second base today. He's got some experience at second base, but it's very minimal. He's a natural shortstop. That's what he's played, you know, 90% plus of his time in the minor leagues. But they're just looking uh, to find a spark. 
anywhere from anybody in a similar way that Matt Carpenter, he happened to have his Mm -hmm. debut down here uh, in late May with with the Yankees when they signed him off the scrap heap, and he turned out to be better than anyone imagined uh, before getting hurt. But they're really just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and hoping that that something sticks, and that is indicative of a team generally that that is desperate. And anyone with the Yankees that tells you that they're not in desperate straits right now uh, either is ignoring reality uh, or they're just not acknowledging it. Do they have some of the same issues now that they've had the last few years? That is, with Anthony Rizzo out, with the aforementioned Matt Carpenter out, they are very heavily right-handed with Benintendi injured and not a whole lot of balance. Yes, and and I'm talking to some coaches on other teams uh, the last couple of months about the Yankees, and the thing that I've gotten consistently is we, meaning the opposition, we feel you can pitch to them now. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that the Rays feel the exact same way. And the reality is is that when the Yankees have faced the kind of teams that they could face in October during this stretch, they've been completely dominated. They've really struggled putting uh, runs on the board. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Carpenter is out and, and that Rizzo, even when he's been in the lineup, he's been dealing with this back thing mm-hmm. basically since late June. Uh, it's not getting any better. Uh, DJ LeMay, who has, a, has a, an injury on, on his big right toe, uh, that privately behind the scenes is much more concerning to the Yankees than what they, they've publicly said. And, and uh, LeMay, who is a, is a soldier, and he's, you know, saying, I'm fine, I'm, you know, no big deal, et cetera, very Jeterian in, in that respect. Uh, he certainly is not using an excuse, but the reality is, is, is he's dealing with with an injury, and it's affecting him. It's clearly affecting him. You can see it affect him in the field. You can see it affecting him at the plate. Uh, these are not excuses. These are just the, the reality of a team that the first three months of the season, everything went right. You know, they were not probably as good as what their record w- was mm-hmm. showing, uh, but they. We're winning all the close games. The starting rotation was one of the best in the game. The bullpen was one of the best in the game. We know what the lineup was doing, uh, and they were healthy. None of those four things in the last six weeks, last two months or whatever, uh, have been the case. The, the injuries across the board, uh, the offense has been up and down. Um, the, the starting rotation seems to have settled back in, but they went through a stretch where they weren't doing very well. And ever since Michael King went down in the bullpen, uh, you know, the, they've been mixing and matching. And, again, it seems like Loisica is maybe starting to get back on track. Marinaccio has been consistently good. Uh, they are finding some guys, but the bullpen still isn't the lockdown unit that it was the first three months of the season. We have about 30 seconds so Houston is clearly the team to beat right now in the American League other than that who gives the Yankees the most trouble anybody Neil in the AL East I I feel that all of the AL East teams that are in contention and and, you know Boston's obviously in last place and they're probably not you know not going to make it but I would say the Yankees would rather see the AL Central winner than they would the Baltimore Orioles or Seattle in the playoffs or Seattle absolutely like I said anybody other than the East or Seattle, because Seattle has given them a little bit of trouble. But they'd rather see Seattle than anyone in the AL East, I can tell you that. Really good stuff. Eric uh, Boland of Newsday, we certainly appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thank you, Neil. Look forward to talking to you again. Good luck the rest of the way. Special thanks to Eric Boland of Newsday and all the guests on the program this afternoon. Manuel Margot, race outfielder, Xavier Scruggs of Bally Sports Sun and also MLB Network. Rafi Valenzuela, the race Florida Complex League manager, will be at Instructional League later this week, and Emmy Dolphy of Rays Baseball Operations. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. On next week's show, we'll chat with Christian Bethencourt on his unique journey and a whole lot more. Special thanks today to my producer, Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solons. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.